0: Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting SPARKS Will Fly" as one word, APP, to 77977. That's SPARKS Will Fly APP to 77977. Or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. All right, you find uh, Mark's gospel, the eighth chapter. We're going to... Starting there, we got rain falling on the roof. So uh, I got up this morning. I didn't know whether to drive the boat to church or truck. So I mean, I said, Lord Jesus, man, it's a, it's raining. We'll be thankful for it around April or March. It'll get dry again. So you all good? Anybody cold? It's a little chilly, but I got some insulation, so I'll get warm in a minute, amen. Mark chapter eight. Um, we are uh I've just been in this, I'm I'm just been trying to, you know, if you fish a river, sometimes you get off on a little tributary and uh there's a lot of fish in it. So I've just been staying in the same little vein where I'm at, and um And so I actually saw something reading uh, Mark's gospel that I've never seen before, so I want to share this with you in uh, in Romans, in Mark chapter 8. We have been looking at the book of Nehemiah, and we were talking about this on Wednesday night. Wednesday night was just, it was so good. I don't know what it was on the live stream, but I mean, the presence of the Lord was just so strong in here on Wednesday night, and um, with the men from the house of grace and a few others that was in here it was just very very good and so just to set up because we got uh some visitors and some that's in here that's maybe not kind of where we're at i'll just do a recap of uh what we want to talk about this morning before we do that let's just pray father we just thank you for this day lord father we thank you for this time to get in the word father open our eyes to see Give us ears to hear, and Father, I just pray this morning just that your word's already anointing, Father, but but it's already anointed, but Father, I just pray that you would help me articulate your heart to this audience this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, so good to have Mark and Emily. Man, raise your hand. They drove all the way from Little at Georgia this morning. That's a hall. So glad to have them. We're going to be over there with them um, next Sunday night, and um, so... Praise God. Maybe the rain'll be moved out by then. So, um, but um, we've been hanging out in the Book of Nehemiah, and so we've set this up that Nehemiah is a beautiful picture of the restoration of the Christian life. His name means comforter, and one of the things that, especially if you've got a Pentecostal background, um, we we mainly know the Holy Spirit as commander-in-chief. We don't really we struggle knowing him as comforter and friend. And so, but 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 he is he is a comforter and a friend, not commander in chief. And um, and so, um, in the book of Ezra, we see that's where the temple is restored. This is the Jews that were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. God used the prophet Haggai and Zechariah to prophesy to Zerubbabel to lead this exodus out of 70 years of Babylonian captivity to rebuild the the the, the temple. And the children of Israel had rebuilt the temple in the book of Ezra. And so they had a life with God, but they had no evidence of that. So they had no evidence of the daily rule and reign in their life because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, the gates had been burned, and there was a lot of rubble in their life. And so it gave great access to the enemy, if you will. And so one of the things that I've, in my study, that I found is, is I was reading a, a book by R.C. Sproul, he's a great theologian. And one of the things he said, that justification and sanctification are the two arms of God's love that wrap around us. And so a lot of people know about justification, but the church really has, has been afraid of the word sanctified, especially in the Pentecostal church. But, but justification and regeneration is an instantaneous process, but sanctification is an ongoing process in our life, Okay. So just to give you a background, so this is where I'm going to continue to talk about. And so we talked about out of 1 Peter chapter 13, uh, 1, 1, 13 through 16, where God said, be you holy as I am holy. And one part of the church has embraced that as that is our our attire, that women can't wear makeup, need to be in long dresses, men can't wear shorts, you know, and I I had a friend of mine that used to be in uh, ministry with me. He said when he was a little boy that uh, he always had to swim in Levi's. Now, you get a pair of Levi's soaking wet in the ocean, you got you something to work with now. Come on now, you with me? And so, but, but what we've learned is that be holy as I'm holy is not in your dress attire. That word holy literally means, that word holy literally means holy. God wants you complete. God wants us complete spirit, soul, and body. And so... Um, so this is just a process we're on. And like many, uh, you know, I believe that the Lord is going to do some amazing things at the end of this year. Uh, and there's just some things that have been on my heart and, um, I'll just read you this right here let me just say this, but I can tell you this, if God's going to do some amazing things, God needs a whole people to bring something to, are you with me now? How many knows this? If you're not, if you're not how to talk, if you're not taught on your finances, you'll squander when God brings you finances. If you're not, I mean, so God just trying to get His whole. So I feel like that I'm, I'm to prepare, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and He said you to prepare the people even through the summer. I feel like the Lord has really highlighted the month of August to me. I don't know what's going to happen in August, and so, but I can tell you this: the other night when I was just, uh, uh, I just laid down, and I felt like uh, that I shared with you a dream that I had that. Uh, in the dream, I was taken to uh, to Redding, California. I was in Chris Valentin's office. I walked in his office. I was kind of discouraged. He spoke with me for a moment, and then he stood up and he said, "The word of God is ingrained to me." And he said that um, he said Yahweh has wrote a chapter about you. Would you like to know the, the chapter that Yahweh wrote about you? And so, in the dream, he lays down on the couch. He's he's laid down on the couch. I lay on top of him with my back to his chest and two grown men, trust me, I would be concerned if I saw two grown men laying like that. But that's the way it was in the dream. He put his arms around me. He opened the book. He opened the Bible and he turned to Isaiah chapter 49 and he read that chapter over me in the dream. And so I've been reading the first seven verses that really speak to me because it talks about being chosen. It talks about being handpicked. It talks about God putting the word uh, in my mouth as a, as a to, to pierce the darkness and all of that. But the other night when I laid down I felt like the Lord says, you sure need to read the bottom of Isaiah 49. And so let me read the bottom of Isaiah 49 to you just right here. This is starting in verse 14. And so it says, Uh, But Zion has said, Yahweh has forsaken me. How many of you ever felt like that? Yahweh has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. I'm all alone. Yahweh responds, but how could a loving mother forget her nursing child and not deeply love the one she bore? Even if there's a mother who forgets her child, I could never, no, never forget you. Can't you see I've carved your name on the palms of my hands? Your walls are always my concern. Look at this. Your children and your builders are running back to you as those who, as those who ruined and destroyed you are running away. Come on now, this is a good word right here. And um, lift up your head and look around all around you. See all your children, your builders gathered to come back to you. As surely as I live, I make this promise as Yahweh, you will wear them like jewels as a radiant bride wears the beautiful jewelry. Jewelry, see your ruins and devastated places will soon be overcrowded with settlers while your destroyers stay far away. But you thought you had lost the children, but you will hear them say, this place is too cramped for me. Make room for me to live, to live in. And you will say to yourself, where in the world did all of these children come from? Who birthed these for me? I thought I was bereaved and barren. I thought I was all alone, forgotten in exile. So how did they get here? Look at this right here in verse 22. This is what the Lord Yahweh says. Soon I will raise my hand and signal to the nation. I felt like the Lord really has highlighted this verse to me. I'm telling you, there's many in this room, in your business, in your personal life, you have felt like things have receded. You need to claim this today. You need to put this in your prayer that God is about to raise his hand and signal some things your way. In the area of business, in the area of finance, in the area of your family, even in this ministry, God says, I will raise my hand and signal. You'll say, how in the world could this be. If you've ever talked to someone who's in spirits to influx of growth when it comes to ministry you said how did this happen? I have no idea. It's all God friend are you with me now? God says I will raise my hand and signal to them I will bring them in All you have to do is make make preparations. You remember when the prophet came by the woman's house? She told her husband, said, listen here, we got to make room on our house for this. You with me now? That's the only thing we do is we turn aside in a place of prayer. We make preparation. God does the rest. You will say to yourself, where in the world did all these children come from? Who birthed these for me? I thought I was bereaved and barren. I thought I was all alone, forgotten in exile. So how did they get here? This is what the Lord Yahweh says. Soon I will raise my hand and signal to the nations. And they will come to you. They will come with their little boys bundled in their arms and their little daughters carried on their shoulders. Kings will be their babysitters and queens their nursing mothers. With faces bowed to the ground, they will lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I will never disappoint those who intertwine their hearts with mine, who can snatch the prey from the hands of the mighty warrior, rescue captives from a conqueror. But Yahweh says they will. the, the prey will be freed from the mighty warrior and the captives will be rescued from the conqueror. For I will fight those who will fight with you. And I myself will save your children and will cause... The violence of your oppressors to come back upon them and your enemies will kill one another in a killing frenzy. Then all the earth will know that I am Yahweh, your savior and your kinsman redeemer. I love the way that Brian Simmons into that because I've been all. All right. All right. So I just believe there's a shift happening. Okay. All right. So those that got faith to receive that, receive it. Okay. So be you holy as I'm holy. God's not talking about our dress attire, but he's wanting to bring us into a place of wholeness. Okay. You in the book of Mark, the eighth chapter. Let's read this. Verse 22. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. So if you got a new King James or whatever, it may be a little different. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his, sight, as his, as his sighted guide outside the village. He placed his saliva on the man's eyes and covered them with his hands. Then he asked him, now, do you see anything? Yes, he said, my sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time and made him look up. And the man opened his eyes wide and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. Then Jesus sent him home with these instructions. Go home, but don't tell anyone what happened. Not even the people of your own village. Man, this text right here covers everything that I want to talk about. When we are saved, how many knows this? Before you saved, you walking around as a blind man. Ephesians 2 says that we're actually dead in the trespasses of sin, right? Y'all going to help me right here with the rain. According to Ephesians 2, we are dead in a trespass of sin. Because we, we, I said this on Wednesday night, Pastor Dale used to ask this, and you ask the people, how many sins do you got to commit to become a sinner? People will say one. The answer, that is not a correct answer. The correct answer is zero because everyone is born into sin because of what our great, 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 great grandfather Adam did. But Jesus came to bring restoration, right? to everything that Adam forfeited in the garden. And we've been talking about this. Not only was man's relationship lost in the garden, but his rulership was lost in the garden. And Jesus came to restore not only our relationship with the Father, but also our rulership here on earth. Are you with me now? And so I don't believe that Jesus went to the cross, y'all, to put us in this life so that we're here to survive. I don't think that. I think that that God called us here to, to thrive. His word says that in John 10. In verse 10 it says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. So the Christian life is not, is not attending church on Sundays, just hanging on to a pew, waiting on the rapture, being beat up week after week. God wants to bring us to wholeness where we are learning how to walk and do life in the kingdom that he promised, right? All right, so in this, this man is blind. He he. Jesus leads him outside the city. The scripture says he spit... He, he, he puts the lava into his eyes, placed his hands on his eyes. And after he touched him, he began to see, but he could not see clearly. He had, he had, some, he had his vision restored. He had never seen before. Now he's seeing objects. He, he can tell that there's men walking out there, but he's looking at them as trees. Now, let me just say this. We often see the world not as it is, but the way that we are. We see things not the way they are, but as we are. And let me just say this again. You see in the Bible what you're prepared to see according to the way you was raised. If you was raised in a certain denomination, you're, you see with those type of glasses. You have the lens to see that. Because some of us that was raised in different denominations would look at other denominations when they would preach certain scriptures and say, how in the world can they skip right over that? How do they miss? Because they are, they are seeing what they're already prepared to see. Uh, I gave you an example of this. Grant and I were hunting one day. We see the world not as it is, as though we are. And the issues of our heart, now let me say this. It, it determines on the baggage that we have, determines on when do you begin to get your sight. When do you become, when, when does regeneration hit your life? Some people it happens when they're very young. Some people grew up in great homes. Some people grew up in shattered homes and didn't meet the Lord till they was 50 years old. How many knows there's a lot of baggage to wade through? And one of the things that we're taught, just come to Jesus and everything's going to be all But when you come to Jesus, that's the start of the journey. That's the beginning place. When we are born again, we'll get to this in a minute, but when we are born again, the scripture says we are babes in Christ. You are born again. You do not see a woman go give delivery at the hospital down here, give birth to a baby, and then they all walk out of the room. No, someone has to come around around that child. The woman has to nurse the child into health, but how many knows this? If there's nothing wrong with the baby, the baby will begin to grow. Are you with me now? The baby will come out of diapers and put pull-ups on and directly he won't wet the bed. Come on, y'all. But we we still got people in church, has been in the church for 30 years, has still got diapers on in the realm of the spirit. Hebrews 5 says this, many of you ought to be teachers by now, but you still have someone need to teach you. So going to church is not just, going to church is not the equivalent of transformation. It doesn't say if any man be in church, he's a new creation. It says if any man be in Christ, and when we have a relationship with Christ, I promise you, he is always prodding you to growth. He is always moving us from glory to glory. There is not recession in the kingdom. There is only movement from glory to glory so we're in this process so we see the world as we tend to see it I gave this to give you an example of this me and my son was hunting we were hunting close to the landline you know any, any hunter knows you can hunt on the landline just your back has to be turned to the opposing land but I can't help it if the deer's over there you know what I'm saying I do have the ability to turn and God gave me that ability no. are you with me? So this guy pulls up. And so I took it from my perspective. The only reason why he came down there was to try to run around on his side of the property so no deer wouldn't come out there. But immediately when I said that, and uh, Grant said, no, he said, I don't believe he saw us at all. I think he just happened to be riding down in the woods. How many knows that both of us saw the same thing happen, but there was two different perceptions of what just took place? Are you with me now? Listen, you don't see the world a lot of times as it is. You see the world how how you are so if we got a lot of hurt and baggage in our life that's how we begin to see the world you think that someone's always out to get you when they couldn't this is same this this happens in the church because when we see people that are supernaturally blessed driving up to the church in mercedes down here in the south we automatically assume they crooks come on y'all well they just a crook well all right i'm gonna quit with that Meanwhile, we'll keep driving something that's held together by Christian bumper stickers without asking for help and ask someone to help us change the way we think. You with me now? All right. All right. So I'm going to use this word regeneration. Regeneration is when we become saved. What happens when you become saved? Your spirit Is made alive again in Christ Jesus. Now let's talk about this. God created us in in his own image. That doesn't mean that God is is, uh, fat and bald-headed like myself, but he did create me in his own image. He created me to be a three-part being just as he is a three-part being. Are you with me now? I am a spirit, soul, and a body. We do not quote that as body, soul, and spirit. The large triangle in your life is spirit. That should be your identity. Those that are led by the spirit of God, those are what? The sons of God in Romans chapter 8. Y'all right with me teaching the holler. So so the large so God is wanting us to be led by the Spirit. In other words, our spirit is to take top priority into other areas of our life. It is to dominate the way we think. We should be thinking from above. Does that what uh, uh, Philippians said? It says, "Think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, and of a good report, think on these things. Think from above. The children of God have their mind set on what things above. We 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 don't inhabit the earth. We cohabitate the earth. We the only species on the earth with dual citizenship. Come on, y'all. We are here on the earth, but we are not of this world. Don't be conned in to forming, come on somebody, don't be con in allowing the world to form the way you think, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in this, God says that I am wonderfully and fearfully made in his image, come on y'all, and so in that is I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body, right? All right. But how many knows that God's will is to bring transformation into every area of our life? But, it, but the, it starts from the inside out, in the spirit. Now, when we want to talk about making more money, let me tell you this, that your finances is tied to the health of those three. John writes, beloved, above all, I wish that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. So as we are prospering in the area of soul health, it will translate into the physical area of our life, into finances. All right. Now, so I, have, I, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I have a body. All right. You all right here? All right. So what happens is my spirit is regeneration. Regeneration is birth. Sanctification is growth. Listen to this. In regeneration, God implants the desire... That was not there before. Desire for God, for holiness, worship, and prayer. When you were not saved, you didn't want to ride around and listen to praise and worship. You had Kenny Chesney, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have no desire for that. But we went over this last week. I don't want to go back just in Nehemiah to read this, but how many knows that his prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1, he says, Father, let your prayer be attentive to those who do your will and have a desire to do your will. So in regeneration, you have a desire to live right. Everybody who who is saved has a desire to become whole and live right. Now we read this in John's epistle. He said, If any man sins, he's of the devil. He's not of God. Has anybody ever sinned before after being saved? Yes, yeah, sure you have. If not, you're lying. Come on now. But he already established if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That word advocate means a lawyer, and he's never had a lost a case pleading our case before him. What that word means is if any man sins, what it literally means, if any man keeps on sinning. Other words, you have no conviction in your life. You just want to live like the way you want to live. I have to beg the question, are you really saved? did something happen but when you got regenerated in your spirit your desire changed at that moment it doesn't mean that you have moved from desire to will because sanctification is the process that turns that desire into the fruit of something called self-control and self-control is when you have the ability to tell yourself something and you can do it so So we've got to move from, well, I desire to pray to actually praying. I desire to work out to actually working out. I desire to read. You'd be surprised how many people I've counseled to try to help, but I give them a book. Well, a month later, (coughs) they come back. They haven't read the book. That's desire, but you have no will. So you must allow the Spirit, come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit to partner with you, salvation is free. It is totally a work of God's grace. Listen, when his sight was open, it was nothing he did on his own. He, God simply touched the blind man, sight began to happen, and 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 but he 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 didn't have a sharp focus in life. He he couldn't see clearly, but it was totally a free gift of God. Now, here's the thing. After the second touch of the continual application of the grace that initiated the first church touch is what brought blurred vision into clear vision. This is the work that God is trying to do on the church. It is the initial grace that touches you, pulls you to the Father. Come on, somebody. And allows regeneration to happen into your life. But is the continual application of the enabling grace that will begin to bring clarity to the areas of your life. If we've been raised up by jacked up fathers, fathers that were not in our household, fathers that disappointed us, if you don't allow the continual application of God's grace, you'll have a jacked up view of God, which will create a bad way of living on the earth. Come on now. we, We begin to attribute our own failures to the Father. And the Father, when we sing holy this morning, the word holy means other. He is absolutely other than I am. If I am broke, he is not broke. Come on somebody. If I am discouraged, he is not discouraged. If I am sick, he is not sick that's why we say holy thou art other that's good so he's not like us man and yeah, I'm just telling you I used to wouldn't um uh, I hate to really say this because this is a very immature statement but you might as well be honest I was reading in this this story and one of the things that R.C. Sproul was talking about where Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and beware of the leaven of Herod. And so I've heard that preached. I've preached I preached several messages on that, and I've heard a lot of people preach on that. Well, the leaven of Herod is uh, the spirit of the world, and the leaven of the Pharisees is the religious spirit. And so, but R.C. Sproul showed me something different about that. He talked about the leaven of, of the Pharisees being, because the Pharisees was hypocritical they were hypocrites they had everything on the outside done right but the inside they were ravenous wolves which is what religion have you ever met people I, I have met a lot of people that can speak christianese i'm talking about is very skilled in speaking christianese but deep in my knower, i know there's something in that person that is not their mouth is not matching their, their heart does not match what their mouth says And what happens is the danger is that the more you live in that and the more you speak with your mouth, but you don't talk with your heart, the more deceptive it becomes. So Jesus, when he uses the word beware, it was the strongest language he could have. He's saying, beware, don't you act like this and don't you live like this. Are you with me now? So there can be no true freedom come until we can be honest where we're at. You can't get it, don't matter how much if you got someone struggling with addiction, how much you want them to be free, but they're never going to be free until they can be honest where they're at and want the freedom to come. You with me? So he talked about this thing beware, beware of this. Hold up, stop. If you you went to someone's house and you saw two grown German shepherds out there on the yard and it said, beware of dog, you're probably not fixing to cross the fence. But the problem is, is when we don't see the dog and we don't see no activity of the dog, we become, hey, I, don't, I believe this is just for show. They really don't have one. So he shared this story of a thief that had watched this house. He had watched this neighborhood. And these people had a beware of dog sign. Had a beware of dog sign. He never saw no dog while he was scoping out there. You remember like Home Alone, how they went and checked out the neighborhood? Do you know what I'm saying? And so he never saw no dog on the yard. and So he... he he um. He waits and sees the people packing their bags. They're going on summer vacation. So he goes up in there, rings the doorbell. No one comes to it. So he takes his stuff, picks the lock, and goes inside the house. And when he goes inside the house, he he hollers out, hey, is anyone home? No one answers back. So he said, I got this, man. We're fixing the thing. So he, he says one more time, hey, anyone home? Well, he hears a voice. And the voice says, I see you, and Jesus sees you. Startled because he thought they were gone. He takes his flashlight and begins to shine. Then he sees something over in the corner where the voice came from. And he realizes there's a cage there. And he says, my God, this is a parrot. And so he turns the lights on and the parrot looks at him and says, I see you and Jesus sees you. And as the parrot says, Jesus sees you again, he looks down and there was Jesus who was a Doverman painter up underneath the parrot's cage. And he says, sick him, Jesus. You with me? Now I read that to say, and said that to say this, a lot of people believe in the church from the things that religion has taught us, that God is ready to sick us when we fail. But here's what you got to begin to see the loving father is this, that just as my children was learning how to ride a bike, neither one of them jumped on a bicycle. Actually Grant, because I tried to rate, I always had him way ahead of where he was at. You know what I'm saying? So when he was four years old, Catherine by had a heart attack. I come home with a brand new Honda motorcycle with training wheels on. He just turned four at his four year old birthday. You know what I'm saying? So, which is Christmas, gave him the dirt bike. She was having a heart attack. So, Grant never learned how to ride a bicycle. He was like 10 or 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? He always had motorized stuff. But how I many knows this? When you're learning how to ride a bicycle, what does dad do? Or what does mom do? They run along the seat and hold it until you get your legs out front under you. This is a loving picture of the father that you and I serve. Come on now. And just as Nehemiah, he is heartbroken over the condition of our lives. And Nehemiah sees those stones and he weeps over the burnt rubble of our lives. And he invites us, says, come, let us rebuild. Come, let us. So God is asking us on this invitation, how long do we want to live beat up? How long do we want to live broken and talk about the Christian life like it's some great thing? But yet we ourselves live in shambles. God is just looking for honesty from us and say, you know what? My marriage is jacked up. I got all things wrong. But I invite your work, Holy Spirit. So regeneration is absolutely free. It's the touching of the eyes and instant sight comes. Instant sight comes. Sanctification is an ongoing process and it is a partnership you have with the Holy Spirit, working with the Holy Spirit to get things out of your life. Now this author I was reading the other night, which is phenomenal, it's called uh, The Foolishness of Jesus by Brennan Manning being foolish for just something like that he shares his story he shares his story of this little boy this little boy's named willie and willie's got some issues going on in his life he had something like when he was when he was born that actually messed up his leg and then he's he's a little spanish kid and he's got skin pigmentation that's so bad so he's got blotches on his skin or whatever and so what do you think happens when willie goes to school because kids are such loving and uh, giving children at school, he's, he's made fun of every day. He's made fun of every day. And his family's very poor or whatever, and Willie's been saving all of his little birthday coins and everything that he gets. And there's a fair coming up, and so Willie wants to go to the fair. And so at school, he's not known as Willie. They call him Speckled Trout, and they make fun of him. They do tug-of-war and release the rope so that Willie's dragged in the mud, and he's just made fun of every day. And so one of the things so as he's going to this fair and Brennan Manon has a has a I mean he has a unique writing ability to portray Jesus in about anything, and so um, he's really what he's talking about in this book is Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son, the story of the woman who loses the coin, and the shepherd that leaves the 99. He's talking about the gospel within the gospel. How many knows that Luke 15 is amazing thing of the Father? Are you with me now? He does leave the 99 to go after the one. He does search for the lost coin with the illumination of the. Holy Spirit. And he is the Father waiting on the porch, waiting on our return home because he knows that we cannot make it living on the husk. Church, I'm just telling you, God's calling us home to the place of wholeness to get out of the pig pens of our lives. Come on now. Are you with me now? And so so Willie meets this guy and Brennan writes him as the medicine man. And the medicine man has this, this orange, this bottle of orange liquid. And he told Willie, he said, if you'll put it, if you'll put it, if you'll sprinkle three drops, three drops on your heart every night, he said, your whole life will change. And so he, 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 he befriends Willie, and Willie never had a friend like this, and he told him all the things that he would do. And so when he tells him all the things that he would do, Willie said, "You know what? I could never be a friend back like that to you." But the but the medicine man told him, he said, oh, it, it doesn't matter what you do. I keep my covenant on my friendship with you." How many knows in the? How many knows when God gave out the Ten Commandments that three thousand men died that day, and it was you shall not, you shall not. But if you read in if you read in Hebrews, but when God gave the Spirit, come on at the day of Pentecost, three thousand men were born again, three thousand were saved. And then if you read about God's new covenant in the Hebrews, it's not about you will, but is what I will. Come on, y'all. This is about I will. This is a picture of justification. Justification is just as you never did it. It is a free gift from God, and we are justified in the, of, in the sight of God. And you're never gonna live that way until you believe what happened. You will never believe, you will never live it until you believe what happened when God justified you. He took you out of darkness and placed you into light. Your whole address changed. Everything about you changed. You became a whole new creature in Christ, but that spirit is trapped in a soul and is trapped in a body. And that body still has cravings and that soul still has the way I think before that. And so he told Willie, he said, the first drop that you sprinkle on your heart is forgiveness. Man, we don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to preach on forgiveness today. But how many knows forgiveness is not an easy thing? That's the reason why people don't do it. And we feel justified the old way we think, Retaliation. Forgiveness, I mean, I want, I want justice. I am a very justice-wired person. You know what I'm saying? That's why I can watch the OJ trial like, and hope they're going to hang him outside. I'm crying out for justice. But the glove didn't fit. But how many knows that God is justice, but, he, but, he tri- but mercy triumphs over, ju- uh, over judgment? God cries for mercy. And what, what you've got to understand, if you can't forgive, God can't forgive you. In the model prayer that Jesus told us, he said, forgive those who trespass against me. As I, I forgive those who trespass against me as you forgive me of my trespasses, right? So there can be no forgiveness of my sin until I forgive those others. So Willie started sprinkling this on his heart. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What do you think happened after that relationship with the medicine man and they become friends? Come on, y'all. This is a picture of Jesus. And he's writing him as the medicine man. I see, a lot of church be getting mad about that. I think it's voodoo or something. But anyhow, he sprinkles out on there. Then the next drop is truth. And the third drop is joy. And so finally, young Willie is down beside his bed. And now he's praying for the ones that call him speckled trout. He's forgiven them. He's And he says, you know what? Even if the medicine man don't heal my crooked leg like he promised, he said it doesn't matter anymore because what happened is God healed his heart. Come on, somebody. And what had him in bondage was that he wanted retaliation and what he wanted for those who who had done him wrong. Come on, are you with me now? But when he released that, you know what happened? Everything at Willie's School began to change. They quit making fun of him. Come on now. I'm just telling you the power of forgiveness. All right. Man, I got to keep going. Right? I got a long ways to go. All right. Let's look at this right here in John. I want to show you this verse of scripture. So I want to talk about restored vision or clear vision and how the sanctification brings clear vision and restored vision to our life. Someone say, you know what, Pastor, I just don't understand how I get get so far, and then it seems like I regress and go backwards. I just can't seem to get over these certain areas of my life. The process is called sanctification. That's the cure. And one of the things that I notice with the prayer movement, if you notice like anywhere there's a prophetic prayer movement, one of the things that you'll see that these people are highly trained in the area of sozo, theophastic healing and all of these things that accompanies the prayer movement, and then you get into the revival movements. So all we just cry for the power of God to come hit people. You know what I'm saying? And just, I mean, y'all just y'all just need more power on your life and all of this. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that one people's got it right and the other person's got it wrong. I think we what we need is a unity to happen in the body of Christ that we can all eat from all each other's uh, 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 trays that we're toting. Are you with me now? I think what has happened is the enemy has brought a disunification and a disjointment to the body which has called us to not benefit from other areas of ministry man you got to be crazy if you can't benefit from Charles Stanley teaching you the gospel come on now you got to be crazy if you can't, if you can't benefit from some of T.D. Jakes' power speeches I mean are you with me now? And so here's the thing. I mean, the, the, every person is running. The father is like the multicolored jacket that he put around Joseph. That is a picture of the manifold wisdom of God being wrapped around the body of people. Are you with me now? And so we've got to learn how to eat. Listen, where I used to, I used to wouldn't read a book if it wasn't in my vein. But you know what? Let me tell you what. Just eating in your own sex, thats a homosexual church. A homosexual church is only in is only in intimacy with its own kind. Come on now. And we got a homosexual church trying to remove that spirit from the earth until we can get unified and start feeding from other veins that don't look like you act like you or talk like you we're not going to grow up so i get this book from a catholic priest and i God, i don't know if i'm reading something from a catholic priest that catholic priest taught me more than about the 2500 other books i just read not 2500 but let's say 25 okay and so I begin to learn from him, and what and where did he get this? He had to get outside the walls of his confinement of what he said. That's the only way you're gonna grow financially or any area in your life. You gotta get out of the fences that you've been raised in. If you've been in the same church your whole life because granny's name's on the end of the pew, you are not gonna grow. Come on, y'all. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Zacchaeus was of little stature, but he climbed the sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus for who he was. If you want to grow, it will cause you to climb. It will cause you to look outside the confinement of what you've been raised in, what you've always been taught. Come on now. I remember the first time I left the church I was raised in, we wasn't taught anything about no spiritual gifts. I didn't know nothing about prophecy, speaking in tongues. None of it didn't know any of that. Till I went to a church that was a little bit deeper of the river than what we were in. It's time that the church get out of the shallow end of the pool and let deep call unto deep and take us to some deep things. So, you with me. All right. John 3, let's look at this. Now, there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus. Praise God. Is anybody in here trained in casting out spirits with are not playing? <laughs> Let me read you something right here. I'm going to be done in about 15 minutes right here. I wrote this the other night. This is probably a couple weeks ago after we had met down in the cabin. I sat in the bed and I typed this out. Um, but I do believe some things are changing and God's trying to change the way we do church. So I just simply titled this a, a new model or you could title it whatever and um, I just said while the world is uh, with, the world, with the world changing so fast around us so many are looking for the perfect model to stay afoot in this rapid, in this rapid change whether it's business or ministry change is always evident if we're going to, to survive we must be willing to embrace the winds of change there's something, certainly nothing wrong with looking to successful businesses or ministries and gleaning from what they have to offer I have personally benefited uh, greatly from this. However, I don't believe the heart of the Father is to establish imitations or cheap replicas in a region. He desires to give fresh, authentic wine flowing from the hearts of encounter. The blueprint for a city starts in the heart of a man. That's always where it starts. You can't read the Bible and not see that. In Luke 29, 41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept. So many only see their ministry and church and vision you will never know you're called you'll know you'll know you're called to a city by the tears you have for the people of that area i believe the model we need in this hour is not found in a textbook for the late is not found in a lord i need a bigger thing right here Um, is not found in a textbook or the latest church planning seminar. It is found on the mountain of intercession. Like Moses we are able to peer into another dimension and get his heart and bring it down the mountain to the people. Instead 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 of bringing down stone tablets of previous moves and current fads, God is looking to brand our hearts with something new and fresh. Just as the prophet Isaiah said, God is doing a new thing. It is springing up even now. Roads are being established in the wilderness for generations to come. I believe instead of looking for a perfect model God is releasing an invitation for many to become the model before God does a deep work in a region he'll do a deep work in the people of that area and and in other words the breadth of the move is determined by our depth of surrender this can be this can be uncomfortable at times as many love the shallow waters of security but those that feel the deepest calling unto deep it is time to press past the boundaries of shallow religion and embrace the wild habitat of true kingdom life The current model in most churches is not kingdom life, but zoo life. In the zoo, eagles walk around grounded and jump on fake man-made trees. The eagle was never meant to be grounded, but soaring in the heights. In the zoo, the eagle is grounded for our entertainment and our viewing pleasure. Does this sound familiar? We're told to keep our services short and non-offensive. For heaven's sakes, don't preach anything that contradicts the rules of the zoo. Friends, Jesus didn't go to the cross to establish us in a zoo. He went to the cross to establish us in his kingdom. Proverbs 14.4 says that where there is no where there is no oxen, the manger remains clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. The model we need in this hour is not found in the latest trends, but in an ancient text. In Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The disciples were not sent to a seminar. They were not sent to some growth expert, but an upper room to tarry until... They were clothed with power. If we want the power of God in our churches, we're definitely going to have to remove the fences and get out of the shallow end of the pool, roll up our sleeves and deal with a few messes, maybe even lose some disgruntled members. I've heard it said that I will trade people for presents, but I will never, I will never trade presents for, I will trade people for presents, but never presents for people. God is looking for a place where he alone can rule and reign. He is leading us into the wilderness where the wild things are. It is the wilderness that we learn to trust who he really is. He gives us fresh insight to his heart and an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Let his kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us not be afraid in this hour to preach truth, but stand in the power of his mind. I believe some things are changing. And God is looking for an authentic people. He's looking for people of authenticity. And the only way we're ever going to be authentic authentic, is learn vulnerability, and that is the only way we're ever going to walk in freedom, the ability to tell my whole story about where I'm really at. And the deal is we go to church, act like we got cleared vision because we've got one touch of grace on our life. Meanwhile, we're not honest about where we're at. Meanwhile, we continue to divorce. We continue to go further in debt. And all of these other things are happening in our lives. God is looking for authentic people who can be honest and say, this is where we really at. What I found to be true, you can preach with power. You can, you, can, you can lay your hands on the sick. You can be blessed financially and still be in a jacked up life. Don't tell me I've seen it. I've seen preachers preach every Sunday under a dynamic anointing and having an affair, a three-year affair going on, and every Sunday preached under a dynamic anointing. Don't be fooled. That is a gift in operation, but they have long lost relationship. And God is sick. I mean, I'm telling you, what. here's what we do. We ask God to just bless our gift, Lord. Just bless our gift. If you want to see a gift, Celine Dion's got a gift. Whitney Houston had a gift. Go watch her sing at the Super Bowl. That's a gift, but it doesn't mean that her heart's right. She's not walking in freedom. Michael Jackson was probably one of the most gifted people of my entire lifetime. Show me somebody that can dance and moonwalk like that. But he died. Look at Elvis Presley with all the money in the world. But he wrote, I feel so lonely, I could cry. The only void that can fix that is the gospel and the goodness of God and him being restored back to the heart of his Father. Come on, this is the only thing. So people that are overeating, people that are doing all kind of stuff from, from any type of grotesque sin you want to talk about, it is not. that's not the problem. That is a symptom. The real problem is a void in their heart that they're looking to fill. And it can only be filled by the love of the Father. And he's calling us to this place. Get out of the pig pens of life. Come back to the house. Come on, you're not going to live like a hired servant. You're a son. Come back in. All right, so let's finish up right here. I I won't be able to get to most of this, but let's finish up in John chapter 3. So there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus who was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. One night, he secretly came to Jesus and said, Master, (laughs) we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Jesus answered Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can what? Perceive God's kingdom realm. Before a person can see the kingdom, he has to be what? Regenerated, born again. So what happens when you get saved? Your spiritual eyes are open and now you perceive a kingdom. You perceive a life that I just wrote about that is not zoo life, but there's a real kingdom with real power and a real king walking with dominion. Now, if we're in the kingdom of God and we have a real king that's got real dominion and power, that means when cancer comes in this building, they should leave healed. I'm reading a book. It's about four inches thick right now about health. And one of the things that this guy wrote in there is he said, after, after years of praying for the sick and, and studying all these different ones, what I found to be true, that was only 5% of the people getting healed. So there's got to be a more excellent way now notice this in the gospels Jesus demonstrates the power over sickness and disease but when we get in Romans and Corinthians you don't see the power demonstrated over disease and and things like that what you are taught is the doctrine of Christ and how to live your life I don't believe it is God's divine will to heal us I believe it is God's divine will for us to be in health and have no need of healing believe it is God's divine will not for us to walk in repentance but have no need of repentance why because Jesus said he leaves the 99 and go over the 1 and there's more rejoicing over the 1 than the 99 who doesn't need to repent so that means there's got to be a lot of teaching taught in the house of God on how we live and how we think because we can't eat little Debbie three days a week pork every night come on somebody and expect to be in divine health Oh, preacher, don't tell me what I can eat and what I can't eat. I'm in freedom. When the Bible says, be careful with your freedom and liberty, lest you become under bondage with it. Now, don't talk. Paul even said, if eating meat would cause my brother to stumble, I would refrain from meat, even though it's a liberty. All things are free to us, friend, but it doesn't mean all things are good. Now, I love a set of baby back ribs as good as anybody else. But that should not be your diet five nights a week. Neither should fried chicken be your diet five nights a week. All right, I'm going to quit with that. And I can preach it too because, I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you were standing up here 130 pounds, I mean, people would be challenged by that. But they say, I got too much weight too and say, you know what? But here's the thing. I've had to rethink some things. I don't eat that way anymore. And here's the thing: you you try to change. The, listen, if you what would help you change the way you think if you simply changed your diet, because your mind is tied to your gut. Hello, somebody, don't give us up in here on no health. Your gut health determines what kind of thoughts you're thinking. So if you got poor gut health, you got bad thoughts going on in your mind. Meanwhile, we sit around as Pentecostal folk, taking up four chairs in the sanctuary, talking about the power of God trying to heal us. God's trying to teach us a whole separate way to live. Come on, y'all. The Bible said, be ye separate from the world. When there should be a noticeable difference in our life. I've got to quit right here in just a second. So he he said, man must be born again, and he starts seeing. He, his, his, his eyes are open. He, he starts seeing a whole different life that is available. You with me? Whole different life available. And let me just say this. Our kids will eat what we want to feed them. That's like I worked with a guy at work. He said this. He said, man, my dog will eat raw turnip greens. Other guy said, man, my dogs won't eat raw turnip greens. He said, mine didn't either for about two weeks. But now he loves them. Huh? Now we got to have all these balanced plans for dogs. When I was little, we just gave them what we had left. John Billy used to didn't eat nothing but chicken nuggets. But now he'll eat any salad you put before him. He don't like sauces, but he loves, John crazy anyhow. He, he, won't, he won't eat a hamburger if you go get it from Dairy Queen. But he'll eat crawfish if he boiled himself in just regular water right out the creek and eat the heads off of them. I ain't never seen nothing like it. He anything that comes out of the water. I don't care what it is. Brim, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But you know what now? He eats salad. I never ate broccoli until I married Catherine. Her family cooked broccoli every day. Her family did cereal with broccoli in it. I never seen nobody cook broccoli like her family cooked that. So you, I had to learn how to eat broccoli. I love broccoli now. But if we got to eat, what, what does America say you need to eat? You need to eat that steak with a baked potato. That's the worst combination you could put in your mouth because you cannot digest a steak with the starch of that potato sitting on it which is leading into poor gut health, which is causing you to think bad thoughts. I gotta get off of that. We'll let one we're gonna set a couch up here one day, we're gonna teach on this, we're gonna turn Allison loose, who's got all kind of, from conspiracy theories to everything else on it, okay? And we're gonna turn her loose and teach on it. Listen, so listen, let's just say, it's not God's will. Notice the language of James when he is writing about healing. If there be any sick... If there be any sick among you, it was uncommon for the sick folk to be hooked to the people of God, not because of the power they possessed, but because of the teaching they had to establish the people in truth. And when the people, I feel the Holy Ghost, I'm about to do some old Pentecostal dusty roads up in here and just say, listen, it was about the teaching that they were getting inside of that church, not just about prayer, but on how to live their lives, how to eat, how to handle their marriage, how to handle their finances, and there were not many sick in the place. And then it says, if there be any sick, let them call on not the power gifts in the church, but the elders. The elders are the ones that keep watch over the flock of God. These are fivefold established leaders. Let them deal with the sick because if they laid their hands on them and they did not receive, they started going after soul issues like unforgiveness. That's why Hebrews talks about Deal with the unforgiveness, lest a bitter root. Did you hear that word, root? Something starts establishing and growing down into your life. Man, I'm about going to get dangerous right here but you can lay your hands right here you can lay your hands I don't care if I'm shining under the glory of God and the power of God standing under Kenneth Hagin's anointing William Brandon's anointing the whole nine yards and I say be healed of arthritis and you got unforgiveness in your life there ain't nothing going to happen it doesn't and it don't matter how much faith you got what you got because what is establishing that is a root system that is dropped down into your soul that is feeding those roots of unforgiveness and is producing that in your body our bodies are reacting to what's going on in the inward man Fear and anxiety that has been eating my life up is a result of my physical body because of something in the air of my soul that is not anchored in the love of God. It's like Chris Valentin calls this man. He said, man, are you afraid to die? He said, man, are you going to threaten me with heaven? If we believed heaven was real, we wouldn't have no fear of death in this room. I said, if we believe, but see, the church believes it like Kenny Chesney. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. Heaven is more real than what you're sitting in. How can you say that, preacher? Because I've read the Bible. And the Bible says the world which you see in the natural come out of that world. So now, oh God, I got I to land this plane. But listen this. this. He said, now it is, Spirit of God has opened my eyes. Now I see what is available. Now he moves on to say, he moves on in John to tell Nicodemus, if a man, a man must be born of water and of spirit to start entering into what his eyes is beholding." Now here's the deal. We got people saved enough to see, but we don't have people saved enough to walk in it. Now, here's how you walk in it. This is what? Water and of Spirit. Go to Genesis chapter 1. The Bible talks about chaos. It talks about darkness, all of this kind of stuff. It says, but the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the chaos. The waters. Come on, somebody. This is the Word of God. This is a picture of the chaotic lifestyle that you're in right now. But if you will allow the Spirit of God to start hovering over all of those broken areas of your life, He will start creating what is without form and void. He will start bringing the beauty of the stars, the beauty of the mountains, the beauty of the ocean, the beauty of the lush green grass, all of this will happen in your life if you will only allow Him to hover reason why we're being beat up because we come in the door and we bolt into the lie. I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm the only one watching porn. I'm the only one drinking at night to put myself down. I'm the only one that was struggling in my marriage. I'm the only one. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. We all in trouble up in this room and we all need the grace and the goodness of God. And if we could bring honesty to it, God would heal us. Oh, my God. If a man's born of water and of spirit, he will start entering into the kingdom. Where's the king? The king's domain. Then rulership will be restored back into my life. I will start walking in self-control. I will start walking in all that God designed for me. I ain't got time to go further. But for homework, let's turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, and let's read those first 10 verses. And he talks about you were once in darkness, but now God has brought you in the light. And he talks about that light transforming your life. God, I need to get on the treadmill. I'm out of breath hollering like this. Listen, regeneration is the starting point. The Christian life is not a circle, but linear. It has a beginning and it has an end and it has a middle part. God is moving us from faith to faith, glory to glory. Regeneration and and, and when you're born again is the starting point listen this regeneration is instantaneously sanctification is a process it is a process with wins and losses it is a process of victories and defeats it is a process of of progression and some regression cause see here's the thing people when we start talking about sanctification have to deal with things of the past Boy, that's difficult. We don't want to get in those areas. We don't want to talk about relationships that were broken. But yet, if you haven't made it out of the horror of the past of one broken relationship, you've taken that baggage right in to the thing. And so picture this. Have you ever seen, uh, let's say, for instance, we're going to do a 5K. The only K I like to do is special K with the chocolate, you know, and there was, anyhow. <laughs> when I was younger one time, we was working out or whatever, and I told, I told a friend of mine, I said, Man, you need to eat some oatmeal. And um, so he'd come out here, and every time we'd go to the gym, he'd have an oatmeal pie in his hand. He said, I've been eating this oatmeal, he said, I don't believe it's doing nothing. <laughs> No, I'm talking about the kind you gotta cook on the stove. Feel like you're eating raw hay. (laughs) That's God cattle. I'm like, Lord Jesus. God help us right here. Jesus help us, Lord. Just raise your hands. I feel the Lord in this room. Grace of God. Man, I feel him just ascending in this room right here. Friend, I've got more losses than i got victories. I've just never given up, and he's never given up on me. He will never give up on us. The struggle you think so bad, let me just say this. You can't bring him nothing he's never seen. You're not going to bring nothing to him he's never heard of. Father, we thank you for your great love. I thank you that you've never stopped pursuing me. Since I've been on the earth, you have always pursued me. And Lord, you pursue us. You chase after us. All you want to do is wrestle us down and put your arms of love around us, secure us. You want to secure us in Alba father you've not given us a spirit of bondage you've not given us an orphan spirit that leads us into bondage that we would never be good enough but you have given us a spirit of adoption whereby we become the sons of God where we cry out Abba father father I pray that every person in this room would leave today knowing your burning heart of desire for them Father, don't let the enemy lie to them and say they can never be free. For what you have wrong with you is so dirty and so vile. But they would see the awesome picture of your arms reaching out just like I would for one of my children. Let me tell you this story. The Bible says we being evil know how to good give gifts unto our children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to them? I remember when we first came to Adel, we had a small 17 foot aluminum bass boat, a G3. God, I wish I had that boat back. I should have never sold it. Jesus, give it, return it. In the name of the Lord. <laughs> Mr. Jimmy D bought it from me. May Father, may you speak to him. <laughs> Convict his heart and awfully. <sighs> it was just a gem up small boat for rivers and small lake bass fishing. We loved it. I remember being on that boat one day and we was in the Little River. We was fishing for Brim. We had little trigger spins just casting underneath those wax myrtles, letting the cricket fall down by the bank, catching red breasts. John Men was small then. I don't know. He might have been, what, six or seven years old. And I threw and my line got caught in a little wax myrtle and I just took the trolling motor, touched it and went over to it. I didn't see it, but it was just hanging down like this. And on the back side of that wax myrtle was a red wall's nest about the size of baseball cap. And when I snatched that line, we was three feet from it. And they just hit him instantly. I mean, like 10 to 15. And I remember his scream was, Daddy. Had I thought through it, what I should have done was knocked him off the boat into the water. And, but who won't parent wants to knock the kid off in the river you know what I'm saying <laughs> but immediately when he let out the cry daddy and I knew he was in danger and I knew something was wrong everything within my physical being was to, to bring healing care to that right there let me tell you the lie that we believe is because we pray that our father don't hear us God you don't even care God you don't even care where I'm at but Nehemiah, when he was told of the condition, from second-hand knowledge, he had never seen Jerusalem. He was born in the Babylonian captivity. Tears was rolling down his face. He risked his own life because he was a cupbearer to the king. And if you had poor countenance in the king and you brought the king's sadness, you were killed. And he goes right before Artaxerxes, the king, And he said, I must give me favor to go back to Jerusalem to help my people. The king says, not only will I give you the time off, I'm going to pay you while you're gone. And I'm going to summon other kings in that region to send the timbers and everything you need to complete the task. Let me tell you this morning that God's got everything he needs to complete the task in your life. And I live with the promise while for the Lord in this room. He that hath begun a good work in me shall complete it unto the day of Jesus. And whatever darkness I find myself in, it's not too dark that a light can't perish the darkness. Raise your hands one more time. I'm telling you God's doing something in this place right here. What I had to learn and breaking my theology about deliverance is that you got to bring people forward. They got to throw up in the floor. And Well, it is simply you releasing the lie and embracing the truth to come back into your life. Nehemiah, when he showed up in Jerusalem and he began to tell them, he said, the, the hand of my God is upon my life to accomplish this and God's given me great favor with the king." The Holy Spirit has got great favor with the King. And he come with all the resources this morning. God secure us in that place. Break the lie of abandonment. It was Jim Baker who wrote, I was wrong. When he was thrown into the cop car, when the cops pulled at his place, the PTL property arrested him. For embezzlement and all, all over the news, Jim Baker goes down. One of the things that I'll always appreciate about Jim Baker is this. He had a vision that nobody in the church ever even thought it was even possible. My God, look at the vision that he had back then. We ain't seen a man in the church rise up vision like that. I mean, it's like, he was like Elon Musk before there was Elon Musk. But what he was trying to build was something for the church to have a complete life. I'm just telling you that religion has told us. I remember when Catherine and I, we used to, when we used to have to, when we would take off on a Sunday, the first thing she would say on Sunday morning if we were at the beach, I feel so guilty that we're here at the beach and not at the church. Remember? let me just tell you this. I've seen people, I've seen ministers. Where we started out in ministry, I didn't go to my pastor's house. i telling him a lie right here because you, you've been with us that long. We didn't go over there. We didn't, we didn't just pray over the meal, and say, Father, bless this meal. It was I mean, they spoke in tongues 15 minutes. You want to talk about the prophetic? What I seen with my pastor? I remember at a church work day, pastor walked by. Stopped. You better get your house in order. God's fixing to give you a baby. Two months, child in the womb. Oh, this is powerful. But the ministry they led doesn't exist today. And they're not married today. They lost their marriage. Meanwhile, the church was saying, just get more anointing. Just pray louder. All we need is to burn in prayer. I've never seen someone touch their prayer life. Number two. The day that I received this call, you'll remember it because I wept like a baby. And I told the person, I screamed at the person on the phone, it is a lie. It is not true. This individual prayed two hours a day. But looking back, there was holes in his marriage. All he wanted to do was ministry. But his wife didn't burn for it the way he did. So see, it doesn't matter if you're lusting after an eight-point buck or if you're lusting after the opposite sex. It don't matter. Lust is lust. It don't matter if you're lusting after your job. Lust is lust. And so what he wanted to do was be the greatest preacher that ever graced the planet. And it was an uncontrollable lust that was in his heart. And in a moment of weakness, God turned that uncontrollable lust to his secretary and everything was lost in that moment. Nobody told us, nobody told us you need to take off, you need to vacate, you need to recreate. That's called recreation is recreation. So now what I found, it doesn't matter if I'm Sunday morning holding this mic in the hand or if I'm Sunday morning on the bow of that boat, snatching trout, snapper, whatever out of the ocean. That God is 100% in love with me and he's 100% pleased with me because my identity don't come from what I'm doing this morning. If I never touch another mic, I'm called and was hand chosen by him before the foundations of the world. This don't get my rocks off, friend. Come on now. And if you don't separate what you do from who you are, you're headed for failure. Who I am, what I do is preach the gospel. But who I am is a loving husband and a father, an avid outdoorsman. That's who I am. Don't give me your stuff about how many credentials you got in preaching. Show me what you've lived out with your wife and kids. Show me the wife of, show me your wife's face, sir, because that is an example of your leadership in the house. And all problems at the house belong on the man's back because God has established him as the leader in that house. Don't come in my office and say my wife ain't doing right. You speak to her. Come on, somebody. You begin to fashion her up like Eve did Adam. Tell her who she is and she'll start acting like it. Come on. We didn't have this type of preaching. Meanwhile, we watched casualty after casualty. And Kim Mullis told me this a long time ago. He said, buddy, what I found to be true is the church a rejoice while the preacher bleeds out on stage. They will rejoice and they'll watch him bleed out and die completely in front of them and then they'll rejoice when the next one comes along. When God's never caused these men to come bleed out before us but give them as precious gifts to the body of Christ to teach and equip and to train us. God's just trying to bring wholeness, church. I've got to to be done. Raise your hands. I'm going to bless you one more time. I feel like we should stand to honor the presence of God in this place and I was listening to Ron Ash the other day and he said this he said I was preaching manpower for T.D. Jakes preaching for Bishop Long he was preaching in the greatest Christian circles that there was able to be preached he said my offerings were $50,000 a weekend. This is back in the day. I didn't count what you get when you run the circuit today. He said, I was never one time asked, how's your prayer life? How's your soul health? I was never asked one time about my relationship with Jesus. I was asked this how much money you taking up? How many bookings you got? Where's the next place you're traveling to? Meanwhile, church, I'm just telling you, has anybody ever read God's generals? Meanwhile, we watched the Bishop Eddie Long that had biceps like water mains drop up to 130 pounds and go in the grave. The very one I just mentioned to you that I was listening to, probably one of the greatest scholastic minds of our entire lifetime at 44 years old in the grave we've got to get in the triune health church we've got to we've got to teach on mental health people think we're crazy yeah we're crazy that's why we need help You can't have a conversation with Bass and not think that man's not crazy enough, lad. Huh? (laughs) He needs help. He's on the front row. So if that tells you anything, we got to have a lot of help up in here. Including the one holding the mic. Jesus said, if a man's not sick, he have no need of a physician. God, I'm sick. I need you, Lord. Man, I'm telling you, this has been my prayer. God, I'm so messed up. Help me. God, fix holes in my life. Father, we love you today. Raise your hands. I want to bless you one more time. I'm telling you, love of Father surrounding you today. Friend, don't take this message and say, well, he preached good today. I'm trying to give you food that will sustain your life. Ask God to sharpen your vision. Start looking at sanctification. Start looking at divine health. Start start somewhere. Man, just cut bread out of your diet. Cut caffeine out of your diet some. Go three days without coffee if you want to see the power of caffeine on your life. Go three days without it, Jesus. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital for detoxation. It's the little things, it's the little foxes that are spoiling the vines of our life. Father, I bless everyone's marriage in this room. I bless every family, I bless every dad. Dusty sent us a great image the other day of a picture of a dad. One picture says, cool dad got it all together, but it showed the picture of the inside of his brain. I feel like a failure. I can never make enough money. I can never do all of this. This is what's going on in our men church and we go into church with them every Sunday. I think it was two kids in the past month just took their own life. 17 year, 18 years old full of promise and full of everything. I grabbed my son and I said son there ain't nothing that we can't overcome together. All you gotta do is be honest about where you're at. We dealt with something the week before last. I said there's some things you're not called to deal with. Your dad's called to deal with them. God, let us be honest about where we're at, church. Father, bring healing. Bring healing to us, Lord. Bring healing to us, Lord. Bring healing to us, Lord. God, we need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. I pray today, let the people of God feel the arms of mercy. mighty name of Jesus. Friend, if you're in this place today and you don't know the Lord, you say, Pastor, you don't understand how jacked up my life is. Let me tell you how you become born again. You simply take with your heart, position toward heaven. You take your mouth to match up with your heart and you say, Father, I pray that you would forgive me. But if you will come into my life today, I'll make you Lord of my life. And I invite you into my heart to bring change, to bring correction, and to bring restoration of authority back in my life. Friend, if you prayed that and you meant it with your heart, let me tell you something. The Bible says you are born again and your eyes have begun now opening. And the desire of your heart will begin to change. You'll desire holiness. You'll desire worship. You'll desire the word. You'll desire the presence of God. And if you will continue to allow the continual touch of grace on your life, he will bring sharp clarity to your vision. You with me? People of God, give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this building. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.